Hello and welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. Happy to have you here. Oh, I'm so excited. We're back to be We're recording. back in action. We're recording. <laughs> I'm a little rusty. I will be very honest. As you all know, we get together every six to eight weeks. I am in New York. Chris is in LA. And so we have eight days, eight days and nights. <laughs> I tried to have Lindsay stay here and she said, no, no. <laughs> She Dude, said it feels good to have space. I can't risk not getting a good night's sleep on the couch. It's true. We have too much to do. Could have kicked justice out. That's true. I think but. the cats become a little stressful too at times. <laughs> oh, I don't mind the cat. Well, I don't mind the cats until they're on my face. <laughs> Dude, you guys, this morning. Uh, sometimes I'll play with the cats in the morning. It's like part of my morning routine is playing with them. And I was chasing them today and I slipped on the floor <laughs> in the hallway. You guys, so, it was a, it was a cartoon. It was big wow. It was, you so, know, when the, 33 years old, you know, when like Wiley e. Coyote like yes. runs and then the carpet kind of scurries up underneath them. <laughs> that was Crystal. That was me. My big old ass just sliding and falling on the ground, chasing after the cats. And then the cats were so scared that they both skirted off in different rooms and their claws were trying to catch the hardwood. And they were like... <laughs> Dude, it was so fucking funny. I can't believe oh, I was falling on the floor chasing my cats. Oh my God. Whatever. Good Cat time. people, animal people, we get it. There's something totally that there's a, a switch that flips mm. when you get an animal where you become obsessed. Yeah. Well, they're so special. They're I feel so like, special. Yeah, they're not, they're not just like an escape. They're not an escape. They're almost like a... <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> what do you want to say about me? <laughs> I'm like, where the fuck am I going with yeah, this? They're an escape. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, are they a portal to another realm? They could be. They're yeah. a little bit of an escape. They're just from kind the of world. like a reminder of like oh, true love. Just true love. Presence. Yeah. Um, we're glad to have you on this episode. So this episode's a little bit different because what we're gonna do here is talk about podcasting and talk about uh, the business of podcasting, talk about how we launched the show. We'll talk a little bit about business and entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Lindsay and I have been in the game of podcasting for six years now, and we've grown almost 30 to be what it is um, by messing up a lot and <laughs> making a lot of mistakes and doing a few things right. And so in this conversation, we want to celebrate our masterclass in the Boss Babe Society. So Boss Babe Our friends, Natalie and Danielle, started this um, movement basically for supporting women on their entrepreneurial journey. And we were lucky enough to have a masterclass featured in the society, which is their membership. So that means that if you're a member, you can get access to our six-part masterclass where we dig into how to launch and grow a podcast. Yeah, it was super, super fun to film. It kind of reminded Krista and I of like the importance of these very seemingly simple steps in the process yes. that made made what we did inevitably successful. And so we were really honored to share this in the society. So if you are um, an entrepreneur out there and you want to connect with other women who are also entrepreneurs and build and grow your business and have that like accountability and just energy to tap into every single month, the society is definitely for you, you can go to bossbabe.com slash almost dash 30. Um, but yeah, podcasting for us has always been a passion since we met each other. We didn't know it was going to be, but I think in just really immersing ourselves in the process and in learning, we understood just the power of this medium. And for those of you that don't know, just briefly, we were going through a period of transition in our lives from our 20s to our 30s and just felt like, wow, we couldn't be alone. And wow, this is 
uncomfortable at times. And it really is healing to have these conversations with Krista. <laughs> my my swivel chair is like <laughs> is like turning me around. And I was looking at you and then I was like looking at the wall. Like, is this an exercise? 100%. Sorry. We have these pink, hilarious swivel chairs and I'm like, it's turning me around to like face them like I'm done. <laughs> She's heard this story. Yeah, 100%. That's my brain. I'm like, oh, the story of how we started. Bye. <laughs> Anywho, we started and it's been from the ground up that we've seen this yes. thing from the closet floor. <laughs> yeah, and importantly, you know, we were we had our full-time jobs for the first couple of years that we started. I was actually nannying and babysitting for the first 7 months before we launched and then I got a full-time job, so we navigated that. Lindsay had her job at SoulCycle and a few other jobs. And so we were working on this um, without knowing how to be entrepreneurs, without knowing how to run a business, how to run a team, how to be a public figure, how to monetize, how to grow, how to do any of it. And we learned along the way and we really taught ourselves because we were so passionate about this thing. And so during our conversation, what we're gonna do is have Q&A. So we got some amazing questions for our, from our community and from the Boss Babe Society. And we'll dig into some really popular questions and topics that people ask us about entrepreneurship, business, and podcasting. Shall we dig in? Let's dig in. All righty. These are some great questions. So does creating a podcast with a friend to promote our individual business businesses make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so for that one, and this could be applying to anyone that is thinking about starting a business with a friend or whether it's podcasting or other, whenever I hear about women that want to start a show or do something with a friend, um, I always want to offer that if you knew that you could be successful by yourself, would you do it by yourself? Because I do feel like as women, we are such communal creatures. We are such uh, community-focused people. We love you know, women's circles. It's p- actually part of our like history to be mm-hmm. in community and support women. But I often think that women hide behind having someone else when they could potentially do it on their own. And I do find that a lot of women seek a partner when they don't have the confidence in themselves to do it by themselves, whether your business is an Etsy shop, an Instagram, you know, something that's a physical store or a podcast. So just offering that first off the gate, if you believe in your heart that you could do this successfully by yourself, then do it by yourself. But if you believe in your heart that this show will be benefited by the relationship and conversation that you have with your friend or you know business partner, then definitely do it together. But it is no joke to do something together. Yeah. And Lindsay and I have talked about that in episodes previously where we go into detail about our relationship and our working relationship, being entrepreneurs and best friends. So just offering the word of caution that it's harder than you think to do a creative pursuit that involves your heart and soul with someone because you have to trust them. You have to be able to receive from them. You have to be able to support them. And it's a lot more than I think people are led to believe. Yeah, absolutely. And just the piece on promoting their individual businesses and does that make sense? Yes, I think it can completely make make sense. I guess the question there is, are you going to be competing? Mm-hmm. In your businesses, are they too similar? Will it be confusing for your listener? But if you're just two friends who have two different individual businesses and you're coming together to have um, a conversation that doesn't really touch the businesses, I think that's totally fine. I don't think we need to overthink that. We were talking about that other day, the other day, just about how we tend to overthink something yes. before we birth it. And we're like, oh, what if people think this? And will it, you know, 
just trust that as you do, you will learn, you will get feedback from your audience, you will feel what feels authentic, what doesn't, and you'll be able to kind of edit it as you go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also it's like, don't get too far ahead of yourself. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times dreamers, you know, as we all are, get ahead of ourselves and we're like, okay, so what if, you know, we have this additional brand and business of our podcast and then we have our own brands and business. It's like, just like do it mm-hmm. and see what it becomes. Maybe it becomes a brand and business for sure. Maybe it becomes a beautiful passion project that you just really love to do and you love to catch up with your friend. You know, just let it be what it is and don't put too much pressure on it to like become anything else than just something that you're excited about doing. And I think we forget that so often. You should be excited about creating this and doing this no matter the outcome. If it helps your businesses, if it doesn't, it should be something that you love. I think for entrepreneurs and especially people that have personal brands and businesses, which a lot of people do, when you do have those two coming together on a show, just figuring out with clarity, if you are leveraging your podcast to promote your brand or business, how exactly that will work between you. And my preference would be to let your show evolve and grow over six months, maybe even a year without real promotion of your business beyond you explaining who you are, what you do, and being an expert in your field and showing an example of like someone people are attracted to. And then beyond that point, really figuring out like, how could we leverage this platform if it's a fit for launches, for, you know, growing a personal brand, for coaching, whatever that is. But over the first six months to maybe even a year, really just becoming experts that people love to listen to and that people are invested in. And then eventually, if you'd like selling to them, whatever it is that you're doing. Yes. And I think, you know, the podcast too, for people that have existing businesses, especially that revolve around coaching or programs, is that it becomes like this extra resource for their paying clients. Mm -hmm. It's like, say, hey, I just did this podcast episode on this. Make sure you check it out. So, you know, it can go either way. But I think, you know, what Krista said, you will just give it time so you can kind of like get some, what do you say? Grow your legs? Yeah, grow your your legs. legs. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies, grow your legs. Ooh, get some time. Let it, let it, let it get legs. (laughs) Um, Let it, let your dreams get legs. (laughs) Let it, or what is it? Have legs or see if it, see if it has legs. See if it has that's not what I meant. See if it's a home run. <laughs> See if you're hitting third base and it has legs. All right, sluggers. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, we f- last thing I'll say, we feel like we are very lucky in our relationship and in our friendship and in our business partnership where things really flow quite well and naturally. You mm-hmm. know, that is not always the case. And I think communication is key. Mm-hmm. I think working on yourself throughout the process is key because when you're in a close relationship like this, it's a mirror. Mm-hmm. You know, anything you're building will be a mirror to you as well. Yes, 100%. Okay, next question. What was the biggest medium that helped you grow your podcast? So I'm assuming that is outside of the podcast. And I would say Instagram mm-hmm. for sure. And especially for us, because our target demographic is on Instagram. I think if we were younger, maybe we would have to have a bustling TikTok. And then people would be drawn to TikTok. But I think that our target demographic is on Instagram. So we leveraged Instagram very early on Mm -hmm. as a method to really grow our show and really to grow the community and show different aspects and facets of who we are. And then additionally, repurpose our content. You know, you can repurpose your content in a real way on Instagram in addition to other platforms. But I think Instagram was, you know, huge. 
And I think it just shows the brand's personality mm-hmm. in a variety of ways. You know, so whether it's like quotes, memes, we do reels, things like that. We'll do selfies so they can kind of see us every once in a while. I just think it's a fun way to express the brand. But no matter what platform that you want to use, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, what have you, we would recommend Instagram first and foremost. But I would create like almost like a mood board. So mm-hmm. leveraging like a Pinterest, create a mood board for your brand so that you can not only curate um, content and inspiration for content, but always kind of have like a home base where you're like, ah, okay, this is like kind of my vibe, what I'm going for. And then also letting it evolve. So updating it. Um, But I found that mood boards, brand guides are really helpful as you navigate marketing your show in that way. Yeah. And I will say, so when we think like just to get more granular about Instagram and how we leveraged it, it was promoting guests that we had on the show, having them promote the episodes they were on for us to grow our following and have um, our guests' audiences know that they were on the show. We do content graphic sliders, which has content information that you can find in episodes, but then also can be repurposed on Instagram and then shared and saved. Um, We promote the episodes in stories. We have audiograms. And just being active with our audience, like engaging with them in DMs or engaging with them on comments. And I think using it as a way to speak to you or speak to the team or speak to the brand and make it more personal. So you can have that touch point where you're really seeing what your audience wants you to talk about, what they want more of, what they want less of. Because right now with podcasting, it's really you putting out something to the world and then sort of seeing on the back end, maybe the numbers are telling you how things are going, but there really isn't any more feedback beyond that point. So it's a really beautiful space to get feedback. Agreed. How many hours does legwork, prep, execution, editing, and releasing require? So um, we learned very early on that you have to build in, if you are learning this from scratch, you have to build in that time and that patience for the learning curve (laughs) because there will be a lot to learn if you are new to uh, production, to uh, managing files and audio and just that whole workflow. So from the get, I tried to edit the show. It was way too complicated and frustrating and took away a lot of my time and energy away from the show. So we outsourced to a friend and they were editing uh, the show in the early days. And, you know, I would say starting with the prep for the interview for the show that you're going to record, I would build in a couple hours, like give yourself time to research, to outline the episode, to write down notes, to reflect, to maybe brain dump. So you can kind of see like where your intuitive focus should be for this particular episode. I think the more time, the better so that it marinates. Anytime I feel rushed leading up to recording an episode, I never feel good. So give yourself that time. And then for recording the episode, you know, it depends on the format. For us, we record for about an hour, but we always build in about 15 minutes before and after for setup, testing the equipment, making sure that the guest feels comfortable, et cetera. And then if we go over, we just build in those extra 15 minutes. But you might be a shorter form, like a 30-minute show. So just adjust accordingly. And then for the edit and release, the editing process you know, could be as simple or as complicated as mm-hmm. you make it. You know, It could be simple edits of ums and 
you know, uh, blank space and maybe just compressing the audio and cleaning it up. But then it could also be a narrative type podcast and there could be sound effects and things that you layer in to kind of create a mood and a scene for people to feel like they're a part of. So it can be complicated. I think it just depends. You can easily do that yourself in a garage band or Audacity or Logic, but it's also easy to outsource uh, on a platform like Fiverr. You can hire someone or Upwork. For the release, you know, you will get into a rhythm, but we definitely recommend having a marketing plan for each episode. So knowing that you're going to create content on Instagram, you will have stories to promote the episode. You will have assets for the guest if you have an, a guest. Uh, you will also uh, repurpose this content for Facebook, for Pinterest, maybe LinkedIn, who knows. But um, just having that plan set in place so eventually it, it really becomes... Uh, kind of autopilot in a way besides creating the content, but you know you're going to repurpose it for those. Yeah, it takes a lot longer than I think people think. And that's why you know we outsource so that Lindsay and I are only doing the legwork prep and execution. And then the team is doing the edit and releasing. So you know maybe starting with all of those, seeing what fits, what you can outsource, especially if you have a full-time job, mm-hmm. and then sort of paying for that support of someone else to help you. Um. Another question I loved was how you manage LinkedIn when you have a side hustle in addition to your main job. So this question was more so related to how do you manage the identity you have within your business or your current role with your side hustle? So it's like if your LinkedIn is like, I am a contractor or consultant at this, but then your side hustle is like, I am this thing. How do you remedy those two identities? Mm -hmm. And this was something that I was really experiencing in the corporate world in my jobs. So I was in the corporate world for like eight years. I was in a consulting position for four years. I was in finance management consulting. And then I moved to uh, digital media. And then I was in international events. And I was in sales and marketing. So I was kind of all over the place. But what I realized and in my last role, it got to the point where I couldn't have two different identities anymore. I could no longer be Krista Corporate and then Krista podcast. And that was becoming too painful for me to sort of flip Mm -hmm. the mask on and off. And I wanted to be able to be myself all the time. And so that was a lot of the reason why, you know, we transitioned out of our corporate jobs to become who we are more often. And I think that's the biggest thing within all of this. It's like, how can you lean to become who you are in every position and be comfortable with that. But I do know that when I was starting Almost 30 and when Almost 30 was really growing in my job, it did make my boss comfortable, uncomfortable. It made my other coworkers uncomfortable and it became something I felt like I really had to hide and downplay, which is normal. I mean, I think in any business, if you have someone that has something outside of it that they may leave for eventually, it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But the way that I really worked with that was at first, I was really open and honest about everything I was doing on the weekends or at night and how hard we were working. And then eventually, unfortunately, I, I had to, to more so hide like what successes we had, what we were doing, and just focus on the job at hand. And that was something that I just really had to sort of like suck it up in a way and just do the job that I needed to do and then really focus on almost 30 whenever I could. But I think the main thing that I just wanted to speak on with this is like, where in our lives are we denying ourselves the opportunity to be in fullest expression of who we are and how often and how long are we going to continue to do that? And 
you don't need to be quitting your job right away and burning the place down and being like, I need to be myself all the time. But if you are feeling like there is an uncomfortability about the incongruency of who you are, you need to start making a plan to be yourself more often because it can be painful to be lying to yourself and lying to the world when you're like, at this corporate job, I am this person and I can only say this and I can only wear this Mm -hmm. and I can only be doing this. But when I'm off work, I'm all of these things and I'm this fully expressed being. I think it's been far too long where we're denying ourselves like so much of our human experience because we feel like in this structure, we need to be this thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, completely. Completely. I come from a little bit of a different background where I haven't been in the corporate corporate space. Can't even say corporate. So, you know. Um, Fired. <laughs> but yeah, it's always, I, I think just in general, you know, when you are involved in a medium that's new and cool and kind of uncharted, like podcasting was when we started, people are like, huh? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so there's kind of that too, where you're kind of managing those like judgments and like, side eyes of like, what's happening? And yeah, I think I've always been kind of like blinders on with that stuff because I've always done like things that didn't really make a lot of sense to people close to me. But um, it can be challenging. Like I've talked to a lot of like friends who want to do creative things and they're like, I don't know what people think. You know? Yeah. Sad. I I mean, not sad. It's just, I think we're kind of on that like edge of like more more and more people are expressing themselves creatively and as themselves fully. And so it's less and less weird, Mm -hmm. less and less something that you need to like closet Mm -hmm. and not show people. So, And I think in the corporate space, it felt like tall poppy syndrome a little bit where Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, we're all here. We're all in agreement that we're not going to be fully expressed. (laughs) So this person is going outside of work and they're doing something that they love Mm -hmm. and they're fully expressing themselves. Like this is going against the code of selling our souls a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) You know, this is not what we signed up for. We signed up to be, have a low line level of uncomfort, um, being uncomfortable forever. And I do think that, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like a in a corporate setting, they could see that and be like, well, are you putting enough into your work? Even though they're not allowed to do that, but like... Oh yeah, that's 100% what would happen. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, and that's, you know. And I'm so funny. Like when I was like younger, I'd be like, whatever. Like people have babies and kids, but no one's on their ass about what they're doing with their time (laughs) outside of work. Like such an (laughs) asshole, but... And your space should be a place where you feel like you can express who you are, Mm -hmm. even if it's like things outside of work. Um, But I know it's a tough one to navigate. So I guess my thing would be to get in right relation with what you're doing to be confident that you have the right to pursue passions outside of your job. You have the right to explore things you're interested in outside of your job. And you have the right to be yourself more often than you think. Mm -hmm. Okay. What is your favorite strategy for leveraging podcast episodes as content elsewhere? So we mentioned Instagram and what we do do is record video as well as audio when we do our episodes. And so this has been a really fun place to share clips in the form of reels or IGTVs. And if you are on Instagram, you know it's kind of a quick app. You're scrolling, you're liking, you're just moving on. And so if we can capture someone's attention with a riveting or funny or impactful uh, quote or clip from a show, it's 
that's our goal. So if it's 15 seconds, 30 seconds, we like to keep it under 30 just because of people's um, ability to focus on it. But we also grab clips and put them on YouTube. And you can do longer form clips for YouTube. So Joe Rogan does this. A lot of big podcasters do this where they grab a clip from the show and then title it very specifically what that clip is about. Um, And I think the goal there is to have it be incredibly searchable. So people are searching for whether they're talking about something that's in the mainstream news or something like that. But this is a way for people to not only get a taste of a show if they're kind of new to it, but it's also kind of, if you're a YouTuber in that sense, if you're watching YouTube all the time, it's just nice bite-sized clips where you can go through and feel like, oh, I learned something or I laughed or I, you know, whatever you were looking for. So um, we do that as well. Yeah, I think about podcasting and it's like, even in this conversation that we're having now, we're answering, you know, however many questions, each one of these question answers could be its own piece of content. It could be a reel, it could be an Instagram clip, it could be a content slider, it could be a quote graphic. And so when you create podcasts and you are a content creator, there are so many opportunities for you to really have and repurpose tons of content, especially for us too. We have over 400 episodes. I mean, we could stop podcasting now and have content until we die. And so being smart about how you're going to leverage work that you've already done, because you've already put in the work, you recorded, you put it out, you have show notes, et cetera. So really leverage what you've already done and make things easier for yourself by repurposing the content in really creative ways. How do you connect with and book guests when you're first starting? So I think this will also go with probably clients too. You know, a lot of people that are coaches are working with clients in any sort of fashion. It can be hard at first when you're trying to connect and book with people that are in your industry, with clients or even guests for a podcast. And Lindsay and I, you know, for the first couple of years, we definitely got no's from a lot of people that said yes later on because of the size of our show at the time. So what I would say is that everything will happen when it's meant to, which is a very annoying answer, but it's the truth. And for the people that said no to us early on, when we were able to have them on the podcast later down the line, the interview was so much more fruitful than it would have been if we would have interviewed them very, you know, at the beginning. We would have been less professional, less polished. You know, we wouldn't have known what to ask. So it was really great that these people actually said no to us. And it was a really beautiful thing. And people still to this day continue to say no to us all the time. It's just sort of the name of the game. You have to be very unattached to it. And the way that I like to remember and think about it is that oftentimes I'll get an email and I will be reading the email on a walk. As an example, I was on a walk this morning with a friend. I'm walking up to her. She says hello. And I immediately take down my phone and put it in my pocket. I don't know what that email was, but I will forget about it after I see her. So we often are on our phones. We're reading emails. We're doing all these things when we're on the go. We're in cars. We're on flights. You know, we're with friends and you could have sent that email pitch and they maybe just read it on their way to dinner and forgot about it after. It has nothing to do with you personally. And oftentimes we take things really personally when maybe they just missed the email. Maybe they, you know, were having a bad day. Maybe there are all these things going on, but we often personalize it. So most of the time when you don't get an answer, you don't, or you get a no, it is not personal. It has to do with their Mm -hmm. schedule, what's going on with them. It really has very, very little to do with you. And you need to get used to and comfortable with people saying no to you. Yes. Like you have to fully accept that when you are in a position or a job where you're putting yourself out there with hopes of other people seeing it and accepting you, people will say no. Mm. Yeah. As far as the pitch goes, you know, we would 
highly recommend that it is not five pages long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I say that with love. But no I canned think, pitch. Yeah, and no canned pitch. So we don't want to open up an email and feel like you've sent this to 10 other people. I get that all the time. Yeah. I like forget to change the, the deer. Oh, no, it's sad. I know. But I think, you know, making it personal, concise, and outlining who you are, how you are connected to this person's work or mission and why they would be a great fit for your show. And in that, you'll describe briefly, you know, what your show is all about and how what they have to offer, their gifts can just be super aligned to uh, be an episode on your podcast. So I would also do a little bit of research just in case someone might be uh, releasing their book. They might be launching a program They might have something they want to promote and mentioning that in the email saying, so excited about your book launching. I think that could be, you know, a focal point of this conversation. I really think that my audience would just die over the book, Um, but make it in your own words, make it personal, concise, Uh, double check. You have like all the spelling and names correctly Mm -hmm. spelled and all the things, um, but I think that that'll do it. And yeah. make sure that you have that right contact too. You mm-hmm. know, it might be the person and it might be someone on their team. Either way, you're talking to a human being. Yes, I definitely, we like to DM mm-hmm. and just say like, hey, just really respect you and what you do. Would love to have you on the show. Is that of interest? And then sort of going from there. Because oftentimes DM is a lot easier to reach people. People's inboxes get really crazy. And so we'll usually try that. And then just echoing your point about finding people when they're on a, promotional tour or book mm-hmm. tour, people are so much more likely to get on your show if they have something to promote. So noticing when people are in like a promotion period and trying to get them at that same time, but then mixing up the interview or the conversation with those guests so it's not the same as every other one. Because that's the huge thing. When they're on that book tour, you have to be mindful to not do the same interview that they're doing on every other show. Yes. Okay. How do we find her? How do, yes, how do we find and select amazing guest speakers? So, how do Lindsay and I find and select our amazing guest speakers? Um, a lot of it's intuitive. You know, we are lucky to be in spaces where we meet interesting and cool people. As an example, we have someone coming on tomorrow, Dr. Sheila Campbell, um, or coming on to be recorded, Dr. Sheila Campbell, who I met at Debbie Brown's birthday. So, Debbie Brown, someone that we know, one of her friends is a really powerful um, educator. So it's intuitive where we meet someone and we find that there's good chemistry and we think that there's something interesting that they could bring to our audience. And then also Lindsay and I have topics that we are presently interested in that we will seek to find people to have conversations about Mm -hmm. with. So an example would be Tim Ballard. We know that child sex trafficking is a huge problem in the world. And we wanted to bring on an expert to talk about that with our audience. Or, you know, Natalie and Danielle as an example of Boss Babe, having them on to talk about building this empire business uh, because we find it fascinating because we're our own, you know, we're female entrepreneurs as well. Um, So intuition, we have to connect with them. One thing that I look for when I'm connecting with people specifically is their ability to hold conversation, how comfortable they are um, and confident they are when you meet them. Because... Oftentimes you could have someone that's very qualified, very interesting, but isn't as confident or forward 
with their speech and it'll be hard to pull out an interesting conversation. So you really need to be mindful of people that you meet that you want to have on their show of their speech and cadence and how they talk and the rapport that you have together because the better your rapport, the more interesting the conversation is. Mm -hmm. The more comfortable you both are, the more energy there is there. So it should be someone in the end that you really, really enjoy in general. Yes, I completely agree. Because, you know, podcasting is not like the way everyone should Mm -hmm. share their work. You know, some people are better writers, et cetera. So being mindful of that is super smart. Yay. Okay, let's do one more. One more, baby. Is it realistic for one person to have a successful podcast while maintaining the rest of a business? Yes, absolutely. I think think it can be... It's possible. What I would say is just being clear about how the podcast, if at all fits into your ecosystem that you have currently with your business. So is it going to be a feeder into your business? Is it going to support what you already create? Are you going to send your clients and current audience to this podcast as like another way to listen to you and connect with you? Um, Or is it going to be completely separate from the business? Do you want to maintain both of those kind of side by side, but not necessarily crossing over? I think it's completely possible, but I do think that there needs to be a strategy around it. If you are going to keep it separate, will it have a separate Instagram handle, a separate Mm -hmm. website? I do think it's harder to have kind of like a separate situation if you already have a platform Mm -hmm. and a following. I think leveraging it on your current platform and following would be smart because it's already a built-in audience. Yeah. We learned that from Gabby Bernstein at the bestseller masterclass. Mm -hmm. So we were at the bestseller masterclass with Gabby Bernstein in New York three years ago, two years ago. And we were talking about our book that we're going to write in 2030. (laughs) (laughs) And we're talking about that book that's going to come around the bend at some point. (laughs) And we were saying we wanted to name it X, Y, and Z. She's like, you need to name it almost 30. You already have a brand and reputation. You want to leverage that. And I think for a lot of people, we're so many different things. We're so many different expressions that we forget that we've worked hard to create something already. And leveraging that I think is really important. And then I think the point on the Instagram is interesting. And I don't know if you say this in the coaching calls, but in in the coaching calls that I do with our podcast pro clients, our one-on-one coaching sessions, I talk a lot about how I don't think that people should create a separate account for their podcast on Instagram. I agree. This one I was talking about, like if you want to keep them separate, yes, having separate accounts because it doesn't make sense if you don't want it to overlap. But yes, I even think if it's separate, like if it's a separate name, I just think one account, it's like, Unless you're someone that's like, I love growing and managing Instagram, then it is already an, it is already like an endless pit where you're like, I could spend every day of my life on this thing and I would never feel like it's enough. Mm-hmm. And so unless you truly love it, you should really invest on growing your overall platform instead of creating a separate Instagram account because it's really hard to grow an Instagram account. 100%. It's so deeply hard. And especially for podcasts, it has to have a unique perspective outside of just serving content or serving things that are related to promotion of the show. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's not that personal factor or that interesting um, that connection that you get with the person. But with the show, it's a little bit harder. And I think for Almost 30, it's, it's a, a brand and it's two people. So we had to figure out a way to create an Instagram anyways because it's the two of us. So maybe if it's two of you, that makes sense. But I'm always just hesitant when people want to create a different Instagram account 
Because it's hard to grow accounts. It's so hard. Yeah. The algorithm's changing all the time. It's just kind of hard to just keep. whatever, dude. <laughs> Sell your soul. Grow your account. <laughs> Sell your soul. Grow your Instagram. That's my new course uh, where we sell our souls and grow our Instagrams. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Um, this was so much fun. And so a lot of these questions we actually did with the society community of the Boss Babe um, within Boss Babe. So Boss Babe, again, has their community called The Society. It is for female entrepreneurs where Lindsay and I have our membership on spirituality and wellness. Theirs is on entrepreneurship. And within it, we have our masterclass on podcasting. So it's all about launching and growing a podcast. It is a six-part masterclass that Lindsay and I did that we're super proud of. And you can go to um, bossbabe.com slash almost dash 30 to access. It's $37 a month. So you can access the masterclass for that month or forever if you become a member. But it is really, they have a lot of value in there. Oh my God. And the masterclass lineup, like I saw some of the speakers. I was like, whoa, baby. I know. $37 a month. Yes. And we had our coaching call with their community, which was mm-hmm. beautiful. They do other coaching calls with Natalie and Danielle. So they really service their community in a powerful way. I was really inspired by that. So if you do become a member, you can watch our masterclass and then get access to a bunch of other things. Natalie and Danielle were on our show. So you can search Boss Babe Almost 30 to find the episode that they came on Almost 30. And then we were also on Boss Babe. And if you are a current or future podcaster and you want to just go a little bit deeper on podcasting, we have our accelerators coming up for those that want to launch their podcast. And then we have another accelerator for those that want to grow and monetize. So uh, stay tuned for that. You can go to almost30.com and learn more about Podcast Pro. Yeah. And then we do one-on-one coaching. So Lindsay and I take a few hours a month and do one-on-one coaching calls with people that have podcasts, want to grow, launch, or monetize. And those are really deep dives into your show specifically. We provide a podcast audit, tons of notes. So you can also book a coaching call with Lindsay and I. We only have a few spots every month and they usually sell out at the beginning of the month. But if you'd like to check that out, you can go to almost30.com slash podcast pro and there's more information there. Thanks so much for listening. Share this with a friend. Maybe you have a friend who is starting or has a podcast. Hopefully it will be helpful. Uh, We love you guys. We love you. Thanks for being, thanks for being a friend. (laughs) Cue the music. Cue the music. All right, we'll see you later. Bye everyone. Bye. (laughs) 